0: Tonight we are reading from Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ.
1: Thanks, Nikki. Uh, that was a very uh, cheery Bible reading, wasn't it? How about I pray? Our gracious God, uh, we thank you for our time together. Father, we pray that as we um, meditate on your word now, Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our ears and our minds to your truths. Father, that uh, that you would teach us, you would correct us, rebuke us if needed. But most of all, Father, may you use us, show us how we may be used to honour you and glorify you in our words and in our deeds. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I know that uh, this is risky, but remember this thing called lockdown? Not oh, that long ago. Now I don't know, uh, the, the two lockdowns have just blurred into one for me. Uh, living near the national park was good because it meant that we could go for walks and you know, we bump into people all the time. My daughter loved to go for a walk and so we would go for a walk through the national park uh, quite often during lockdown. But after sort of, uh, it might have been like the second, maybe third time we'd gone for a walk together, we're out walking, and we have probably been going for about five minutes, then she said to me as we were walking, she said, Dad, can you stop being you? Like, it's not the first time someone said this to me, but like, this is my daughter. Like, I I kind of like, after I, I think I might have even stopped, I said, excuse me? What? She said, oh, no, I don't mean that. I just meant, can you stop saying hello to everybody and asking how they're going and how their day is and how, how great it is to be out? We're in lockdown. We're not supposed to be talking to anybody, and I'm freaking out that I'm going to get COVID, so can you just stop being nice, is what I meant. I went, okay. Um, I I can try I understand I'll I'll give it a go I'll do my best and so at this point there was someone walking around the corner I'm like great I'm gonna I'm gonna nail this first time someone walked up I went didn't make eye contact no conversations were having were were had it was great I said to Amelia I said I did it look I didn't say anything she's like okay dad just keep walking but but like I did it as someone else walked around the corner I said hi how you going Oh no I did it it's hard sometimes changing isn't it we don't like change all that all that much changing things that we've done for a very long time is difficult changing things that are just part of who we are is even harder paul here in the passage that nikki wonderfully read for us tonight is saying to the ephesians you need to change he spent the last three chapters telling them who they now are in Christ, what Jesus has done for them, how Jesus has changed them from the inside out and so now they need to live that changed life. But he starts off saying, can you stop being you? He does. Have a look at verse 17 where he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. See, so here's the thing: in chapter uh, chapter three, verse one, Paul actually calls, tells us who he's writing to. He says, "You Gentiles." So here, Paul is saying, "Hey, you Gentiles, stop being Gentiles, stop being you." But what does that mean? Why is he doing that? Is he just being rude? Sounds a bit rude. No. What he's doing is saying, remember how you used to live. Remember what you were like. Don't go back to being like that. What Paul does is he helps them remember who they once were after he's reminded them who they now are. And this is what he does in this very sombre passage. He tells them and reminds them, don't go back to those old ways because remember who you now are. Don't go back to that hardness of heart life. Do not go back to that unsatisfying life. Remember where you came from so you don't go back, but more so remember who you now are. And this is one of these wonderful things where we understand Paul is actually reminding them of their testimony. And testimonies are wonderful. I don't know anyone who is not encouraged by a good testimony. Or by any testimony. And if you want to hear some crackers, I'm going to give a plug to the Chip Lunch podcast. This is not just for teenagers. This is for everybody. There are some absolute, I, I think th- I'm going to use this right, Ethan, you can correct me. There are absolutely some bangers on there. Is that right? I don't know. Something like that. I encourage you to have a listen to that podcast because you hear stories of who people used to be and how they now, now are. You hear of the inner change that has happened, and that is what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, You've been changed from the inside out, so live like that. Don't go back to those old ways. Verses uh, 17 through to 19, uh, Paul starts to kind of point this out, where he says that that life was meaningless. It was a life without purpose, it was hopeless. He says it was a life that was blind. They were unable to see the truth of God no matter how hard they tried. That It was a life where their hearts, their hearts were so hard that it couldn't beat to the rhythm of the sweet sound of God's amazing grace. It was a life of disunity, a life of separation from God, separation from Jesus. Paul's saying rather live a life of unity with Jesus. A life that is in Jesus. Because you go back to those old ways, that is a life, in verse 19, we are told leads to this. Where he says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are And they are full of greed. See, a life that they used to live was a life that was led by, governed by, directed by their feelings. But here's the problem. The problem is that they had lost all sense of what those feelings even are. That's what it means when it says they have lost all sensitivity. They've lost all sense of what is true and right in what they feel. What it is is a life of being obedient to the gifts rather than being obedient to the gift giver. Here's what I mean by that. God gives us great gifts. And the passage that we've had read not just in chapter 4, but in, and can blow a little bit more explanation in chapter 5, in the beginning there, talks about lots of sexual sins. See, God gives us the gift of sex. It is good. Time and time again, Paul says in this passage that it talks about greed and possessions. God gives us things. And that is good. But the problem is this old way of living. Made, meant that sex was God which meant they craved it more and more and possessions were God and so they craved them more and more they wanted the gift more but the problem is that the gift can't, more, the gift can't give more of itself the gift can't make itself more meaningful or purposeful only the giver of the gift can do that Only the giver of the gift can give more. Only the giver of the gift can give it meaning and purpose and hope. And God is that gift giver. And we are to look to him and we are to crave him more and more. Not the the gifts that he gives, but him. Their hearts are to ache, to groan more of God. You know when you get really hungry and your stomach grumbles? I've got a Labrador and in the morning before she gets fed she sits very obediently waiting for her food and I feel bad. I'm trying to teach her good manners. It was dog day yesterday. Is that right? International dog day or just Australia dog day. One day. It was a dog day. I'm trying to teach her manners but I hear her sitting there and her stomach He's like a, it's like I don't know. He's like another animal inside her trying to get out. She's so hungry. She just wants that food. That is how we are to be towards our gift giver, towards our God. Our hearts are to groan in that way that we want more of Him. This is why Paul has spent so long in Ephesians, getting to this point, before he starts talking practical things, he wants us to know who we are, what God has done for us so that we see the beauty and the splendour of what he has done through his son Jesus. There we go, I want nothing else. I'm happy to finish at chapter three because I just see what God has done through Jesus and I, it's all I want. Give me more. Go another three chapters, Paul. If you want another three chapters, head to Romans. Goes a bit more detail. And so when he gets to this these verses here, it's off the back of all that work reminding us of what God has done through Jesus. So that we won't be confused or thought or think that we can go back and do a little bit of those old things because it won't matter that much. It's okay if we just do a little bit. We can just dip my toe in. It's okay. No, because Paul says, verse 20 and 21, says that's not how we are to be. He says it is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. That's everything that he's just spoken about in the last three chapters. He's saying we taught you, Ephesians. We Christians know that God is God and he alone That Jesus saves and he alone, that we are united through the spirit and through the spirit alone. That these old ways of living that we might be tempted to dip our toes back into is not this at all. See, that old way of living is a life that says everything goes, so leave me alone. Instead of it is all about God alone, what Jesus does alone and the work of the Spirit alone. And that's what it means in this passage when it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. When we, when we go back to doing those old ways, we are neglecting and we are ignoring what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, the good, the way that the Holy Spirit is, is moving us more and more in holiness, more and more in love and unity with our God. But it's also important to note that here in verses 22 to 24 that Paul is not just talking about um, putting on and putting off behaviours. It's more than that. He's actually talking about putting on a whole new self. Now, in one sense, I'm kind of, happy with that my knee today has been playing up with this kind of hot cold weather i would love to be a new self but it's not quite that that will happen in glory when we're in heaven but this new self now is this self that is is on the inside Changed our, our our heart our soul our spirit has been changed through the work of jesus and what the holy spirit is doing in us so that it flows out of us in our day-to-day life, in the way that we talk, in the way that we act, in the things that we hold dear, in the things that our hearts crave and our eyes look to. Paul wants us to know that this change, this inner change, is important before we think about anything that we do. Because a Christian is about being something before it's about doing something. I'll say that again. Being a Christian is about being something before it's doing something. It's about this radical inner change. Not just how we live, but it's about who we are in Jesus. And then what we do flows out of that. So we could get caught up and, and be, uh, or uh, think that we need to be morally right. There are a lot of Christians who, who think that, that we hold dear to Christian morality. But we can be Christians, or sorry, we can, we can be very moral, but actually be very far from Jesus, even in the church. We can see these things as little tick boxes that I do these things that you do do not please God if you don't know who you are in him. If you don't understand it, it's actually what God is doing in you and has done for you through his son Jesus and through his spirit. Then you'll understand that the things you do is not about ticking a box, but it's actually been about who you are. It is your new self. When I'm walking with my daughter, I'm not, I don't have to stop and say hello to everybody. I still do. But it means that there's that change. And so we go through this life in that change. And Paul points out a few of those things. In verse 25, we actually become truth tellers. We don't want to make things up. In fact, what we want to do is we want to speak the truth and the love to each other, to build each other up, to encourage each other. Verses 26 and 27, anger is not going to control us. We're actually getting it on top of this. I found this really interesting, funny meme. Uh, we stick that up, Joel, about this whole anger stuff. Now, we're told here in Ephesians that we are not to let the sun go down on anger. Marriage advice is not to go to sleep while you're angry. Doesn't mean not sleeping for 20 years. That's... Not a good thing. But the reason why we are not to be controlled by anger, we're meant to deal with it in the moment, is because if we sleep on it, it actually breeds and grows bitterness and hardness and animosity towards the other person. If we are angry, we are to to deal with it then and there, not let it go. Now, that's not always easy to do. It's not always... um, can't always do it because there might be separation of you know place and all those sorts of things. But to deal with our anger and not let our anger deal with us is what Paul's saying about this new way of living. There we are in verse 28, we are to be working hard, not cutting corners, but to be actually working hard and sharing with others for their good and for their benefit. And in verse Uh, 31 and 32 that we are to walk in the way of kindness and compassion we are to to be those those kind people the compassionate people the people that will go out of our way to spend time that we will give up our time to be with others that we will uh, do these things because it's what this kindness and this compassion is what god has poured out on us through his son jesus And so it's important, again, to understand who we are. It's about this inner change. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. And As I said, that's what we've been hearing over the last few weeks in Ephesians. This inner change then becomes this spring that flows out of our lives, that blesses and encourages other people and glorifies God. And so what ends up happening is when we get this this inner change is we get a new walk, which is why we've called this series walk this way. You ever thought about changing your walk? Swagger. You know, like a little, little kind of jig as you walk or something. Well, our walk changes in this way. Have a look at verse uh, chapter five, verse one and two, where it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I can't help but when I read those verses to think of, uh, you know when, when kids dress up as their parents? you Have seen that? And they put on their clothes and they're all baggy and they're going, hey dad, look, I'm you. It's really cool. Like it's that moment where they're like, they, they're, your kid, your child wants. It says, I want to be you. I want to imitate you. This is, this is what we are to be as God's children. But we are not to just be playing, we're not there to play dress-ups and to be all cutesy or actually to actually go, God, I am your son, I am your daughter. I'm going to live as you live. I'm going to live as you would call me to live. I'm going to live this way because I am your child and you are my father. And so we put on those things that might feel a little bit baggy, but eventually we grow into them and they fit perfectly. And soon everybody sees, everybody notices in our actions and in our words that we are different. We are not like everybody else. That We're even weird. We're alien and foreign to them. Because we don't live and act like we belong to this world, but like we belong to the heavenly family. We are God's children. We are destined to be at home with our Father. And we love living like that here on earth. We are to imitate our God, our Great Father, there's this wonderful story um, uh, that Benjamin Franklin uh, writes in his autobiography where he tells of a time when he was trying to um, convince the citizens of Philadelphia to uh, light, put lights in the street. It was a very modern idea back then, not so now. And the idea was to protect people against crime and it just made things easier walking to and from nighttime activities. But Benjamin Franklin actually failed to convince anyone by his words and so what he decided to do was that uh, he would demonstrate how beneficial it was and so he did. He went and bought this attractive looking lantern, he polished it up and put it on a big stick and hung it out from his second story window into the street and each night he would light the wick and there would be this beautiful lantern glow over the street and people started to realise just how nice that was and how safe they felt and how wonderful an idea this is and one by one the houses in Benjamin Franklin Street started doing the same. Each night a new light, one more, one more. Soon the whole street was filled with light at night because of the lanterns that were put out on the street by these residents. In fact, it led to the whole street, the whole city being lit up. Friends, Paul talks here about darkness and light. We live in a very darkened world. We are called to be the light. We are are called to shine the light of Jesus in this darkened world, in these darkened streets, in this darkened city. We are called to be hung out on a pole in the middle of the street on a dark night, to shine the radiance and the beauty and the splendour of Jesus. This is how Paul... He's encouraging the Ephesians at the beginning of chapter 5 to be. This is what he's encouraging us to be too. To be God's children. To be God's light in this darkened world. To shine the light of love and mercy and grace. So that people will have their lives lightened by the mercy of God through his son Jesus. We are not called to sit inside and hide away as Christians. There are times when I know that we feel like it, especially when things flare up in the media, we just want to shrink back and hide, just want to come to church and hide. I understand that. But you don't hide a light. You get the light and you stick it on a pole and you stick it out there in the darkness. Friends, that is what Paul is calling us and calling the Ephesians to do. And that we are to do this in a way from verses uh, in chapter 5, 15 through to verse 20. To do this in a way that is wise, that is making the most of every opportunity in verse 16. In verse 17, that, that we use our words not for foolishness, but for the glory of God in verse 18, that we don't get drunk, but instead we are so full of the Spirit that we are overjoyed in what Christ has done for us. There is no better picture of seeing a Christian enjoying themselves without any alcohol. We don't need it. We have everything that we need to fill our hearts with joy. We have everything we need to rejoice in. Everything we need to give thanks to God for. And as we do this, as we are full of the Spirit, that we will speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs of praise. That we will make music to our heart in our hearts to our great God, and that we will live a life of giving Him thanks. For everything that He has done for us in Jesus. We will not go craving after the, the things of this world, but we will crave after God. So, brothers and sisters, tonight, I would encourage us to be the light, to climb out on that pole, into that dark street, and shine. To not just play mere dress-ups as children of God, but actually imitate our Father. To actually live as he calls us to live, in a way that honours him and glorifies him and magnifies his name. To live a life that is so foreign and alien and strange that people will stop you and say, what's with you? And you take that opportunity to, sh- to say, Jesus, because he's changed everything. Friends, we have a great, great moment in our history. It may feel like we don't. Because there is nothing greater than on a very dark and stormy night, having a nice, bright, shiny we have the word of God we have the spirit in our hearts let's go out into the darkness and shine that light of Jesus shine the glory of God as we rejoice in him and give thanks in him and so that we may have opportunity to declare what it is that we believe I'm going to pray for us Dear Gracious Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your encouragement. Father, we pray that you'll give us strength to shine the light of Jesus into this darkened world through our words and through our actions. Father, we pray that there be such a light shining in the southern Shire that you may bring about a revival that we may see the lights turn on in the hearts and minds and souls of many people that don't know you in this area. and Father, we pray that it may spread around this country and around this world so that you may be honoured and glorified and praised forevermore. Amen.